Thank you, Roseanne, for your ministry and music. I want to start off this evening or our message with a question. What is one of your greatest joys in life? What would you say makes you the gladdest? What is it that gives you the most joy in life? What news, what experience, what thing brings you the greatest joy? Just maybe think about what, how you would answer that. And to continue on with this, I'd like you to think about how you'd finish the rest of this sentence. I have no greater joy than. I have no greater joy than to live a long life, maybe to retire at an early age, to have a large family, maybe to get married, maybe to make a lot of money. I have no greater joy than. Let me, I want to narrow this discussion for us a little bit uh, as we consider our greatest joys and I want you to think about your greatest joys when it comes to other people. So not just for your life individually, but when you think about other people, what brings you the greatest joy when it comes to other people? What news about someone would make you the most glad? Is it that they were expecting a baby? Or maybe that they got accepted to college? Or maybe they got the job that they've been hoping for and, and you've been praying for for them? I want to narrow this discussion just a little bit more, and I want you to think about our church. Hey, what about, or what about for those in the church? Even think about those who are younger than you uh, in this church. What would bring you the most joy when it comes to their lives? Is it the same as I, as I asked before, that they're expecting a baby, or, or maybe they got accepted to college, or they got that job that they were hoping for? Have you considered this? Because the next verse we're going to be considering in our memorable verses series on Sunday evening is 3 John verse 4. And I have this up here for us. And I'll have all the scripture for you here on the screen, but you're, you're certainly welcome to turn to 1 John or 3 John. But 3 John verse 4 says this. It says, I have no greater joy than... I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So I had you think about just that first part, which um, some of you may have already guessed the verse that I was going to deal with. Is This is a fairly common verse, but our verse is, I have no greater joy than, that to, than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And our theme for this evening as we consider 3 John verse 4 is we find a mature Christian example in what, in what makes them the gladdest when it comes to other Christians' lives. We find a mature Christian example in what makes them, that person, person, and we'll look at him uh, in a moment in our verse, makes him the gladdest when it comes to other Christians' lives. So what I want to do uh, with 3 John verse 4 is it's a short verse, um, but it's a loaded verse. So what I want to do is I want to take it word by word, phrase by phrase, as we start and kind of explain explain this verse, bring it all together to say this is what it's saying, and then the second part of this message is I want to go through some lessons, some, some points of application of what we can take from 3 John verse 4 and actually apply to our lives. So let's begin taking this verse word by word, phrase by phrase. We begin with the author of this verse. 3 John verse 4 begins with the word I. I have no greater joy than. Who is I? It's the Apostle John. 
As you could have guessed from the reference, 3 John verse 4 is written by the Apostle John. And and later on in our message, there's some greater points that I want to draw out from the fact that it's John, the Apostle, uh, speaking. And and you'll catch those a little later on in the message. But for now, I just want to mention that John at this point is believed to be older. He's he's believed to be at an older part of his, his life. He's no longer a young man like he was when he was with Jesus. But he's believed to be older when he wrote this letter of 3 John. And and further, 3 John suggests to us, if we didn't already know, that there's some other letters. This is the third one that's come. We have some other letters and even a book of the Bible that's believed to be written by the Apostle John. We have 1 John, 2 John, and we have the Gospel of John that the Apostle John wrote. And as we consider John as the author, interestingly enough, in 2 John, uh, we actually have something very similar to our uh, verse this evening. In 2 John verse 4, it says, I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. If you look at this, and if we compared it to our verse, it's, it's pretty similar. So our verse is not the only time that John has expressed something like this. So it's the Apostle John, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, that is the speaker of this verse. He is the one that's setting what I said is a mature Christian example in this verse. The second thing I'd like us to consider is that we find what John says he does. 3 John verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than. So I want to take that phrase, have no greater joy than. This this word joy here in our verse speaks of experiencing gladness. It, It speaks of being delighted in something. And I had you, as we started, I had you actually think of some things that you would uh, be glad about or be the most joyful about. Uh, If it's the birth of a baby, hearing of someone's college acceptance, or or getting the job that uh, you or someone else was hoping for. We're going to find out at the end of this verse what brought John this joy. But as we consider this word joy, notice in the verse it doesn't just say that that he's joyful or that he has joy, but it says that he has no greater, no greater joy. He's saying nothing tops this. John's saying, if I was to make a a list of five things that brought me the most joy, this would be on that list. And we just looked at 2 John, uh, we just looked at 2 John and saw there's something similar in, uh, in 2 John, and there's actually another verse in 3 John. That's quite similar to our verse, and it's actually the one that comes right before it. In 3 John verse 3, right before our verse, John said this, For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you were walking in the truth. So something similar is said here, um, that John rejoiced greatly. He says, for I rejoiced greatly, which is Quite similar to our verse, but our verse takes it one step further and he says, not only does he rejoice greatly, but he's saying that he is made the gladdest. Or he says that he has no greater joy. So we see John is communicating that what he's about to say, or at the end of our verse, what he's about to say is not just something that brings him gladness or that he rejoices about, but it it makes him the most glad. Move on to... The next part of this verse, and we see how John comes to this joy. 3 John verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that. 
to hear that. This is how he comes to this joy. How does John uh, become joyful, or, or what makes him the most glad, what brings him to this? Is that he hears about something. We see this in verse 3, how he more specifically came to this, this joy. In verse 3, again, right before our verse, he says this, For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth. So Christians came and they spoke um, about who John is writing to and other Christians came and told him uh, about how or about what John is going to say that he uh, finds joy in. Move on to who John finds joy in. Third John verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, my children. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children. That is who John is finding this joy in. So it's not just something about his own life or something for his own life, but it's about someone else. We find who. Again, to go back to the verse right before ours, it helps us out to understand who these children are. In 3 John 3, John says, For I rejoice greatly when, when the brothers came and testified to your truth. So 3 John is actually written to a man named Gaius. I don't have this verse up here, but uh, John begins his letter by addressing it to a man named Gaius. So that's who John is talking about here in 3 John 3, that uh, he's talking about Gaius' truth. But in our verse, in 3 John verse 4, John is broadening it out. He's, he's generalizing it to not only talk about this man Gaius, that, that he rejoices in him, but he's also talking about others as well as he says, my children. Now, when, when John talks about my children, he's not talking about his physical or his biological children, as nothing suggests that Gaius was a biological son of John's, but rather, John is talking about his spiritual children. He's talking about those who were probably younger than him, or at least younger than him in the faith. Uh, John may have even led these people to the Lord. He told them about the gospel, and, and they believed, or... John may have just, these may have been people that John was instructing, he was guiding, he was looking out for them in their faith. And we might be more familiar uh, of this type of language from Paul's letters. In 2 Timothy, writing to this man Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, my beloved child. It's not his physical or biological child, but it's a spiritual child. In Titus, he says to Titus, my true child in a common faith, and then in Philemon 10, verse 10, he says, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. So Paul often uses this language with, with different people, and it's not because they're his biological children, but it's because, as I said, they're his spiritual children. They were either people that he um, shared the gospel and they believed. Onesimus, the verse I have up there, is, is probably one of those. Uh, Paul told him about the gospel and he believed. But there are further people, we especially see this with Timothy, people that he invested in, people that he instructed, people that followed him around and, and learned from his example so that they could be uh, better Christians and even better servants for the Lord. So this language of children in a spiritual way uh, actually goes along with the rest of the letter as John often refers to Christians as brothers. So not physical brothers, but spiritual brothers belonging to the family of God. So John, in his letter, often uses family language to talk, his, talk about his relationship with other Christians. 
Move on to the last part of our verse, and we find why John's children had brought him this joy. It says in 3 John verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. This is the most important part of this verse. Okay, It's the most important phrase. All of it together ultimately brings us this picture. But if we leave out this part, we are missing a huge part of what John is communicating. And, and I think ultimately, as we think about application, if we leave out this part, we're missing a big piece of this verse. When John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That is the reason why he finds the most joy, that he rejoices greatly, is because they're walking in the truth. So John is saying that his greatest joy is not that his children are well-behaved or that they're healthy or that they have solid jobs. He's not saying it's because they have plenty to eat or have nice houses or large families. But we find out the reason why is because they're walking in the truth. So we have to ask the question, what does it mean to walk in the truth? When John uses this word uh, truth or the truth, he is talking about having a relationship with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He's saying that they believed in Jesus Christ, they trusted in him, that he's died for their sins, and further, this truth is, is talking about what is found in the Bible, the Word of God. It is what is true concerning God, life and death, our sin, our salvation, about everything. That's what he's talking about when he says the truth. And then when he talks about walking in it, okay, this takes it one step further. He's not just talking about people that believe this or believe the truth or acknowledge the truth, but he's, um, when he says walking, he's talking about that this truth impacts their life. He's talking about them living differently because of their relationship with Jesus. You talk differently, you act differently, you think differently. He's talking about simply obeying the commands of the Word of God. So yes, they believe, yes, they, they know Jesus, but he's talk, when he says walking, he's talking about actually living it out, that it affects their life, that there's a difference in their life. So John is finding great joy that these Christians are walking faithfully with the Lord that they apply God's word to their life and, and they live it out how they've been taught. It's John's greatest joy to see people walking with the Lord. John is overjoyed hearing that these people are living out their faith. So that is all of the parts of our verses, word by word, phrase by phrase, what they all mean. So putting this all together, just summing it up kind of in another sentence, John is expressing that one of the things that makes him the gladdest in life is that those he has instructed and guided in God's word are living faithfully for God. That's just kind of a summary with different words to sum up what John is driving home. That John is expressing that one of the things that makes him the gladdest in life is that those he's instructed and guided in God's word are living faithfully for God. For, for God. So that's what our verse is saying. That's what it means. And what I want to do now, and I want to spend the rest of our time on, is I want to want us to think about lessons. I want us to think about applications from 3 John verse 4. I want us to just answer the question, how do we apply 3 John verse 4 to our lives? And, and how I want to do this is I want to draw out 11 lessons from 3 John verse 4. So the first one is this. We should be glad 
when other Christians are walking faithfully with the Lord. So other Christians living out there, their faith brought John joy. And I think off this verse, we really should consider if others' growth in the Lord and others' walk with God actually brings us joy. Okay, so we're starting kind of at the ground level. And just, just think to yourself, when you see someone living out their faith, you see them acting obediently, do you rejoice? Does it bring you joy? Are you glad? Or rather, I think maybe the temptation is, do we get jealous? When we see others are growing and serving, and, and even they might be praised for that growing and serving. You, you see someone living their life for the Lord and people are praising them. I think maybe our natural or sinful, tem, uh, sinful temptation is that we get jealous. I want you to consider, is joy your reaction to others' walk with God, or is it envy and jealousy? Is the competitor in you unleashed and we desire to be godlier than them? That's the first lesson, that we should just be glad when other Christians are walking faithfully with the Lord. The second lesson is this. There's so much that we can be joyful about when it comes to our church family, but we are to be especially joyful as it comes to someone walking with the Lord. Someone having a baby, someone's getting married. We can be glad because someone is free of cancer or they've graduated high school. But here, John, and, and this is what I stressed when we got to that last phrase, this is the most important part because if we leave it out, we can find joy in many, many things, which, are, which is good, but that's not what John is driving home. He is driving home one thing and one thing only, and that is finding joy in others following the word of God, that they're obeying God. And I would ask you, is that what you especially find joy in? And I want you to just think about your reactions. Think about when someone tells you something or you see something. What's your reaction? Is your reaction when you see someone living out God's word the same as when you find out someone got engaged? Is your reaction when you see someone following God's word rather than the world the same as you, when you hear someone broke the school record? Okay, think about your reactions to things, and I, I think that tells you a lot about if we're doing exactly this. Move to the third lesson. It should make us the gladdest when we, the gladdest we can be when other Christians are walking faithfully with the Lord. It's one thing to consider, do, do these things bring us joy as I had us think in the beginning? But I really think this verse presses us to go one step further and ask ourselves, is this what brings us the most joy? Can we say with John, I have no greater joy. No greater, nothing beats this, nothing tops this. Does this beat watching football for you? Does this top playing volleyball for you? Does this top the joy we get when we hear someone got good grades or they won their game? Can we really say that others' walk with the Lord brings us the most joy? And as you think about this, maybe you think, yes, it does. But I think to find this out, we have to ask if this is something we actually get excited about. Do we rejoice and express that joy? When you hear others are striving for godliness and delving into the Word of God and, and they're being changed as they hear the Word of God preached, does it bring within you a warmth and excitement like something else that you would say you delight in. 
And I think a lot of us sitting here, if we're honest with ourselves, would say, no, it doesn't, unfortunately. Oftentimes, this is our, our joy, our rejoicing, our excitement doesn't measure up to other things in our life. And, and I would say the challenge to us is pray about it. Pray about it. Pray, God, give me no greater joy than to see my brother and sister in Christ growing in their faith. God, make me the gladdest when I see a fellow believer putting the word of God into practice. I believe the challenge from this verse is not to just be glad or to have joy at a believer's walking in the truth, but that it is one of the things we'd say brings us the most joy. I'd ask you just to consider, because I think this is the, the driving point here, is this the case for you? Is this the case for you? Lesson number four. This was not always John's focus and attitude. So there's hope for us in our need to change. And I want you to, this brings us back to who the author is of this verse. I want you to think about who the author is, and it's John, one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And in Mark 10, 35 through 37, it shares with us a request that both John made and his brother James made to Jesus while Jesus was still on the earth many, many years before Third John was written, and I'll have this on the screen for us. Mark 10, 35 through 37 shows us John and his request. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And here we get it in verse 37. And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. This request is selfish. It's glory and power seeking. They want to sit at the, the right and the left hand of Jesus one day. And I think when we come to 3 John, we see such a change in John. Now he's focused on and he's concerned about others rather than himself. This, this request was about him and his brother. Out of all the disciples, they want to sit on the right and the left hand of Jesus. Selfish request. Now we see in 3 John... Rather than finding delight in a position of glory and power, he finds delight in the spiritual well-being of others. Rather than his eyes focused solely on himself, now we find his eyes focused out on others. And I, I think this should be a real encouragement. As I said, as you sit here, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we often don't do this. This isn't our natural reaction. We need to really work at having this reaction and this attitude and, and living this out in our lives. So I think this... Change in John should be an encouragement to us as we see how God changed the heart of someone or of someone who brought a request of selfishness and glory and power seeking, how he changed that to a heart of concern for other people and their spiritual well-being. It's an encouragement to us as we might be sitting here realizing how we do not find joy in others' walk at all. And it certainly is not something that brings us what we'd say is the most joy. We might be convicted that this is not the case for us, and John's life should show us that God can change your heart. As I already said, pray about it. Pray that God would help you to live out this verse. And I think John's example and his change in his life should be a motivator to pray even more that God would do exactly this as we get a picture of God changing John. 
Lesson number five. This joy should be sincere in something that we consistently have with all believers. And this goes back to the fact that we saw this, and I mentioned it briefly, but we saw this repetition between 2nd and 3rd John. We saw it several times in 3rd John, but even in 2nd John, written to a, a different person, um, John expresses his rejoicing in others living their lives for God. So we see that this is something um, that I believe is, in, is sincere, as we see it multiple times, and it's a consistent attitude towards other believers. It was the norm for John to view other believers this way. Could have it could have easily been something that he just wanted to say in his letter to, to kind of maybe flatter them, or he knew it sounded nice and encouraging, so he said it even though it wasn't true. But I think the fact that we see it multiple times and in different letters shows that this was John's attitude. This was what he did when it came, or how he viewed other believers as we see in these two letters. So John shows from this repetition that he was sincere, he was genuine, I think it should cause us to consider if this is true of us. Has this become your attitude and reaction when we see others walking in the truth? Do we consistently rejoice that they're walking in the truth? Are we sincere? Are we genuine when we express this? Lesson number six. It's natural for us to have joy when it comes to our children and their faithfulness. We are to have the same joy when it comes to other Christians as well. Our verse says again, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. If you have physical children, biological children, children in your home, I think it's easy to think of them at first. Okay, You may have even always read this verse or thought of this verse as directly talking about your children. It's actually not... Um, what John is talking about directly, as we already consider, but we'll consider some more. Uh, and surely we should, as we think about this, we should rejoice if our, if our children are living for the Lord. It's something that definitely warms our heart. But it, the more direct and actual application of this, this verse is that this is talking about Christians within the church, not our biological children. So as the point says, it's easy and natural to have joy because of our children and their faith in Jesus Christ and their living for him. And I'd ask you to consider, do you have the same joy for other Christians within the church? When you see others' children, so not your children, but other children in the church, when you see others' children walking with the Lord, or when you see teens and children exercising their faith, or just when you see another Christian here in the church obeying God's word, do you have joy like you would for your own children? I think it's something good for us to consider as this, this verse mentions children, but isn't directly talking about your children. Lesson number seven, we should seek to be aware of other Christians walking in the truth. Okay, I think it's, it's helpful for us to think about how we can become aware of others living for the Lord. As our verse said, John heard of this. Okay, he says to hear that, that other Christians actually came to him and they, they told him about how Gaius and these other Christians were living for the Lord, John heard of it. And for us, it might be hearing uh, as well. Okay, someone comes to us and they tell us, so-and-so is living for the Lord. They're doing this or that. And I think it's an interesting thing for us to think about hearing from others about other Christians' walk. And I'd ask you to consider... 
when you talk about another Christian to someone else, what do you usually say about them? Is it something negative or complaining about them? Is it gossiping about them? Is it trying to make them look bad or lying about them? Here are these Christians, they, they came to John and were telling him about how they experienced Gaius walking with the truth as he offered his home for them to stay in and provided for them. And off of that, we see a great example of speaking about other Christians and how they're walking for the Lord, walking with the Lord. And I think we should be challenged to do the same. When we experience another Christian living out their faith, when we see uh, another Christian serving with their spiritual gifts, when we see real change in someone's life, sharing it with others. Okay? We usually pass on bad stuff. We usually pass on negative stuff or say, can you believe they did this? We'll say that same exact thing, but share how you see people walking in the truth. So it could be hearing it. Someone tells you about someone walking in the truth. But another way uh, that we can come to be aware of others walking in the truth is just by observing it. Okay? We can hear it from someone else, but we can observe it as well. We shouldn't only hear about it from others, but we can experience it with our own lives. And so as we're here together, even tonight, here at church, or as we spend time together as a church, and we see how people react to difficult situations in a godly manner, or as we see people turn to the Lord in prayer, or as we hear someone speak of how they were convicted from the sermon, we should rejoice that they're living out their faith. So we can come to know that people are walking in the truth by observing it. Something else to think about. So I talked about this with hearing, but also with observing our temptation as we observe. I think we often observe people. You see what they do. Okay? We notice what other people do. A temptation with observing is that we more easily and naturally, we pick up on people's sins, their mistakes, their failures. That's what often sticks out to us. What if we looked for the good in other people? What if we paid more attention to how we see someone striving for holiness? How someone is relying on the Lord? And, and this isn't ultimately, this isn't making light of sin, but I think often as we observe people, it's often done in a judgmental way. This is just being on the lookout for how people are living for the Lord, how they're living their faith out for Jesus Christ. And the last way I want to mention of how we can seek to be aware of people walking in the truth, we've seen hearing it, observing it, and the last way is just talking with people, having conversations, getting to know someone well enough that they're willing to talk about their spiritual life so that they can share uh, how life's going, how they're reacting to things, how the Lord is working in their life. And, and for me, I found the best, one of the best ways that we can do this in the context of the church is prayer meeting. By all means, we need to be praying at prayer meeting. That is the purpose. But as you pray one-on-one, -on -one, as you pray in a small group, it's a great opportunity to share prayer requests, to share how the Lord's working in your life, to share how life is going, and then certainly you pray for one another. But it's a great way to, to find out how people's spiritual life is going. So that's yet another way to, to become aware and to be on the lookout for how other believers are walking in the truth. As we see John, he heard it. He wasn't with them physically, so he had to hear it. We can hear it, we can observe it, we can talk with people. And then we need to take the step to actually rejoicing in it.
Lesson number eight. We should find joy in many believers walking in the truth. John had said that he rejoiced because of Gaius in 3 John 3, but then in our verse we see there are many he's finding joy in. So it wasn't just Gaius, but it was many Christians. It was many children, as he says, my children, plural. Many Christians bring him joy. John doesn't only focus on Gaius. It seems like he has a Seems like he has a close relationship with Gaius. He calls him beloved Gaius. It's someone he loves. But he broadens this out to have a great care and joy for others. So our joy shouldn't only be reserved for only our children, okay, as I already said, but also it should not only be, be reserved for Christians that maybe we get along with better or maybe we know better or maybe they're just easier for us to like. But we should find joy when we see all Christians walking in the truth. Lesson number nine. There should be believers that we are instructing, guiding, and mentoring in the faith, and we should rejoice as they walk with the Lord. Okay, John speaks of my children, and, and as I already explained, there's an aspect to this that he is speaking of those that he either led to the Lord or to those Christians that were younger than him in age or in maturity. And John is at the very least speaking of those who would have looked up to, them, to him, that would have seen him as a teacher, as a mentor. These are people that he would have sought to instruct and guide in the Christian way. These would have been people that he poured into to help them walk in the truth. So I would ask us, who is it that you would consider your children? And by children, I mean someone you're seeking to train up in the faith, to be a mentor towards, to help them walk with the Lord. For those that have children in the home, okay, they count for this. I know I said that's not the direct application of the verse, but it's certainly an application to this verse. As we think about my children, as we think about children in the home, we're not only raising them to be able to brush their teeth, or take a shower, or to get good grades, but parents are called to train up their kids in the ways of the Lord, to, to help them walk faithfully with Him. But this also, as we think about who our children are, this also applies to those in the church who are younger than us. Maybe they're less mature than us in the faith. Someone comes to you, it could be someone who comes to you for advice, someone who you're helping learn or teaching uh, to study and teach the Bible. Someone you're pouring into to help them be a better Christian. If you teach Sunday school, it's your Sunday school kids. If you are a youth mentor, it's the teens in the youth group. For a 90-year-old, it could be a 60-year-old that you're helping live for the Lord. For a 40-year-old, it could be a 25-year-old that seems to look up to you and, and they come to you for advice on how they can walk with the Lord. Or, or it might be someone who is actually older than you, but they haven't been a Christian as long or they're not as mature in their faith. So the idea behind this word, children, is those you're instructing, guiding, mentoring in the faith. So consider who your children are. And then, as I think the driving point is of our passage, find great joy when they walk in the truth. Lesson number 10. It is great to have these joys in the midst of difficulty and disappointment. Okay, this lesson uh, is taken from 3 John as a whole, as I'm going to bounce to another passage. But John has Gaius, and he has other Christians that are bringing him joy. They're, uh, 
They're causing them to be glad because of their walk with God. But meanwhile, in the same church, he's aware of people who are directly opposing his authority in the word of God and causing him grief. Okay, read what, just follow along as I read 3 John 9, verse 10. Same letter, same church, says this. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. So John is saying he rejoices. It causes him to be so glad because of Gaius, these other Christians. But meanwhile, he is aware of and he's dealing with someone who is sinful and selfish, someone who's uh, disrespectful and defiant, and even he's causing chaos in the church. He's, he's refusing people uh, to be welcomed in the church. That's, this is all going on. It's not that all things are going good for John in this church. So this certainly would have caused John grief. This would have brought him great concern. So we can think about just bringing this situation as a whole together. What a refreshment it is to have people that are bringing us joy and gladness in the midst of difficulties with other people. In the last lesson, and this is how we'll close, is we should share our joy with those that bring us it. We should share our joy with those that bring us it. This is what John is doing in this letter. This is what he's doing in this verse. He's not only talking about someone else bringing him joy, but he's writing this letter to Gaius, who he says brings him this joy. And if you think about this, this had to be encouraging for Gaius and these other believers that would have read this letter, that their faith, the work God was doing in their life, the way that they were living for the Lord brought another Christian joy. And I think we should consider if we share with others, the joy and the gladness we have that they're walking in the truth. Maybe it's just something that you never thought to do, okay? You get excited when you see another Christian living for the Lord. Uh, it really does bring you just the most gladness. It's one of the top things that you would say brings you joy, but you just never thought of sharing it. That's what we see John here, John doing here, and I would say to us tonight, share it. We have a biblical example of doing so. Send it in a text message. Call them on the phone. Email them. Write them a card. And, and maybe the best option is to do it personally. Share with that person how you're seeing the Lord work in their life to, to help them to grow in godliness, to get closer with the Lord. Share with them tonight. Okay, Right after the service, if there's someone that comes to mind, share it with them that they bring you joy, that you get excited seeing them live for the Lord, serve the Lord within this church. And I said it's encouraging, but it's also a way to spur people on to continue doing that, to continue to walk with the Lord and to live more and more faithfully. So it's encouraging, but it also spurs them on. It's a motivator to live for the Lord. So that is our Verse to consider this evening, 3 John verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Put this verse into practice. Those 11 lessons, I don't expect you to remember all of them or many of them, but take away one. Try and apply it to your life and really live out this passage as it comes to your life 
it, as it comes to other believers, especially other believers within our church. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, I just thank you for just the opportunity we have to sit under your word this evening. Lord, we thank you for its authority. We thank you, thank you for the fact uh, that you, it's your word, you work through John, through your Holy Spirit, uh, to communicate these words to us. And Lord, as we get this example of sharing our joy, our excitement, our rejoicing, our gladness, our great gladness about others walking in the truth, Lord, I pray that we would do exactly that um, in our lives. Lord, it's often natural not to do this. It's natural to be envious or to think about and observe other things, to look down on people, to think about other sins. But Lord, I pray that you would give us a real attentiveness to others and, and how we see them growing in their faith as we think about how they maybe were as, say, a teen or a child and how we see them uh, come a long way in their faith or just even a short, in a short period of time, just seeing them live their life for you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to notice these things. I pray that you would instill in us just a great joy and gladness uh, for these things, and Lord, help us to just share them, to, to communicate these things to each other, just encourage each other, spur one another on with, with how we see you working in our lives and in our hearts, and uh, Lord, I pray that we would live out this passage and that it would be um, something that would become more and more natural for us to find joy, to find great and the most joy as we see others walking in the truth. And in your name I pray. Thank you for joining us this evening, and you are dismissed.